Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 23 on this Sunday, September 29th. As September winds down, the Alabama Crimson Tide is now 5-0. Got a big win over the Ole Miss Rebels yesterday in the SEC home opener in Bryant-Denny Stadium. The Tide won 59-31. I'm your host, William Galloway. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. On today's episode of the Galloway Podcast, we're talking with Mark Burnett, who covers Alabama football and has for a decade, and Mark does a great job giving insight on Alabama football, so we're going to talk to him and hear his thoughts on the Crimson Tide and their game yesterday and kind of where we are right now five weeks into the college football season. The AP poll came out this afternoon. Alabama climbed the ladder and is back to number one. Clemson bumped down to number two after a close game with North Carolina yesterday in Chapel Hill. Georgia is three in the AP top ten. Ohio State four, LSU five, Oklahoma six. The Auburn Tigers are seven, Wisconsin eight, Notre Dame nine, and Florida ten. So the AP top ten poll shifting a little bit. There's a little bit of change, uh, but the SEC stays dominant. There are five teams from the Southeastern Conference in that top ten, so a big presence there from the Southeastern Conference. Congratulations to George May at George3May on Twitter. Won the College Football Week 5 score predictions. He had Alabama 56, Ole Miss 21. Of course, that final was 59-31, so congrats, George May, on being the Week 5 College Football Galloway podcast score prediction winner. Check out his page on Twitter at George3May. So, Alabama had a great game yesterday, 28-point win. Should have been a 35-point win, uh, letting Ole Miss score late in the game. But Coach Saban was not happy about some things in the game. He was quoted saying in the press conference that Alabama left some money on the table. And uh, and a 28-point win when you're now number one in the country to not be satisfied just shows you how hungry and how eager he is for this team to reach its full potential. And Alabama has has gotten close, and they've played some some pretty good games. But uh, maybe in Coach Saban's eyes has – he has not seen a complete game from his Crimson Tide team. The Tide is 5-0, is number one in the country, won by four touchdowns yesterday. Devontae Smith set numerous records. He had an incredible game, 11 receptions, 274 yards, five touchdowns. Most touchdowns, receptions, uh, the, so the single-game touchdown reception record he set yesterday with five, and single-game um, reception yardage that record at Alabama, he said yesterday, surpassing Amari Cooper's 224. He had 274, did Devontae Smith. So shattering that record by 50, of course, Cooper set that record in 2014. Devontae Smith just went off. If you were in the game, if you were watching the whole game on TV, I mean, he was dominating. He was 
owning, and there was nothing the Rebels could do to stop him. And if they wanted to double him up, well, you can't because, of course, you've got Ruggs, you've got Judy, and you've got Waddle. So that Alabama wide receiver core um, still has me dropping my jaw just thinking about what they're able to do and what they did yesterday, especially what Devontae Smith did. The Bama defense was on the field for 88 plays, and that was uh, kind of a tough pill to swallow if you're an Alabama fan because that's not what you're used to seeing. But we'll talk with Mark about kind of the identity of Alabama and kind of how that is shifting. So we're going to get into that here on the Galloway Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. You can follow today's guest, Mark Burnett, at Mark underscore Burnett. That's M-A-R-Q underscore Burnett, B-U-R-N-E-T-T. And don't forget, Galloway Podcast merchandise is now on sale. Contact me via Twitter or however you know how to contact me. We're selling Galloway Podcast hats, these white Nike hats with the logo on them. They look great. And also podcast koozies. So contact me if you're interested in purchasing a hat or a koozie to support the Galloway Podcast. Thank you for listening. Let's kick it over to talking with Mark about Alabama football in the game yesterday. Mark Burnett on the Galloway Podcast. Joining the Galloway Podcast now over the hotline is Mark Burnett. Mark is a reporter who's covered Alabama in some capacity over the last decade. Mark, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yesterday was uh, action-packed here in Tuscaloosa, and uh, Alabama put on quite the display, especially Devontae Smith. When we look at yesterday's game and the 59-31 win over Ole Miss, what, was your, what would be your initial takeaway from Alabama's uh, big win yesterday? Yeah, a couple things jump out. You know, obviously, Tua Tungvaluwa was special, uh, six total passing touchdowns and, and has the rushing, to- rushing touchdown as well to push his total to seven overall in terms of touchdowns responsible for. I mean, he's a special kid. Obviously, his accuracy is incredible. Um, and he's, he's a guy who will go down in the history books as probably the best quarterback in Alabama history. You know, I don't, I don't feel like that's hyperbole to say that at all. I mean, I think he's going to rewrite every, hit, um, every record when it comes to Alabama football. And also just thinking when you just use your eyeball. You know, he's probably the best there is. Now, he's going to have to uh, cap this off with the national championship to to get, you know, some of the older Alabama fans to, to believe that as well. But I think he's well on his way to doing that. And beyond that, you know, looking at Devontae Smith, um, first, I, I think it's a situation where you got to give this entire group of Alabama receivers credit because on any given Saturday, one of these guys can go off, whether it be Jerry Judy, um, Henry Ruggs III, Jalen Waddle, or Devontae Smith. And this Saturday, it was Devontae Smith's day in a big way. I mean, you talk about just sort of destroying the defense. Smitty is just a smooth guy. I mean, he just glides across the field. Uh, no no wasted movements. He's not going to shake and bake you like a waddle. He's not the burner like Ruggs is. Um, and he doesn't have the the sort of extended bag of move, bags of move like a Jerry Judy, but the guy's game is so smooth. And when we saw him, uh, I think the best thing about him, he catches everything and he typically makes the first guy miss because he's so physical and he's so long. So uh, hats off to Devontae Smith for putting up a monster numbers. Those were two of the things that jumped out on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, once Alabama got a, a big, um, you know, it, it, tends to, it tends to happen. He took their foot off the gas a little bit. Ole Miss was able to uh, make the game a lo- look a little bit closer than it actually was. But a lot of those points came in garbage time in the second half. So um, big win for Alabama overall. Anytime you get a win over the SEC opponent, that's obviously a big deal. 
Yeah, the SEC home opener uh, is is a big win, obviously, no matter who you're playing. And in the past couple of years, Alabama's been playing Ole Miss in kind of this first game in mid to late September. Uh, and so getting off on on SEC play at home is, is a great start for Alabama. When you look at the numbers that Devontae Smith had, he was setting records in the first half. His four touchdowns was a single-game reception, touchdown reception record, at Al- um, and that was with, only within the first half. He ended up with 11 receptions, 274 yards, and five touchdowns. And like you were saying, he can really, I mean, punish teams in in no and when you add his ability with the ability of Rugs and the ability of Judy and Waddle, and you've got guys like Mechie and Shavers on the bench, uh, not to mention others. I mean, it's it's a it's a three headed monster, but it's a four headed monster. It's just an unstoppable force, and at some point. Some team's going to have to figure out how to cover this, whether it's some type of funky zone or whatever. But right now, it's looking as if this RPO could just roll over any team in the country. Do you see anybody um, that's going to be able to compete with Alabama in the remainder of their schedule right now, not talking about postseason? But is anyone going to be able to come close to stopping this Alabama team? Yeah, I think there are two games on the schedule that Alabama fans should be sort of worried about. I think LSU... Their offense looks legit, um, and that's one of those games where you know going to be a lot on the line. Uh, LSU could be coming in there undefeated, um, and in a situation where that could ultimately go a long way in, in deciding the SEC West. And obviously, you can never look past the Iron Bowl, especially when Auburn is projecting to be a good team. I mean, and then you add on the fact that it's going to be in Jordan Hare Stadium this year. Right. If, if I'm an Alabama fan, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a little nervous about that one because. You could already tell that Auburn, Auburn already had the luck rolling. You saw what happened against Oregon where it looks like Oregon should have blown Auburn out in that game, but then Auburn somehow finds a way to win a close one. To me, that lets me know that Auburn has is, is got the luck on their side, uh, and I think it's going to be a situation where Alabama is going to have a dogfight in both of those games, LSU and Auburn. And then the Texas A&M game, simply because it's on the road, and for whatever reason, uh, you know, Alabama – you know, a lot of teams do this, but Alabama, we saw them struggle with the, the dual-threat quarterback yesterday against Ole Miss, and so I think it's going to be a situation where uh, playing Texas A&M and Kelly Mong could be an interesting one, but I expect them to handle that one. And that could be if Alabama in two weeks goes into A&M and, and takes care of business and does what they're supposed to do, that should be a huge confidence boost, especially for this defense um, and a lot of these players going forward because that would be an SEC road win. That would be um, – just a lot of confidence going forward into Arkansas and Tennessee and kind of the remainder of their schedule. But when you look, Alabama's got a bye week this week. Obviously, this year's a little bit different with two bye weeks uh, instead of just one. Mark, what do you think is the most important aspect of Alabama's team that they and the most important part that they need? Excuse me, they need to look at going into this bye week. You think about some things that come to mind for me are the running game. Um, you know, especially running between the tackles and how um, if there's going to be any adjustment there. Uh, but because of all the RPOs and, and guys being open just about every single time on, on the receiving end, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of rushing. But when you look at the running game, special teams, offensive line, and overall health, what's the most important part of what Alabama needs to fix this week in the bye week? I think the biggest thing is just getting healthy. I mean, whether it be a Henry Ruggs III or Terrell Lewis, um, DJ Dell, some guys who are key contributors that are banged up right now, you got to find a way to get these guys healthy um, so that they can be available. I mean, that's obviously the best ability is availability. So I think that's going to be the biggest one, giving some guys who need it uh, rest, time off. And also just going back to the drawing board defensively, uh, figuring out what worked, figuring out what didn't work in terms of 
Um, you know, you, you have games where you've played, you know, four, five, six freshmen in the starting or the two deep. So I think you're going to have to, uh, I'm sure those guys' heads are spinning with a lot of things being thrown at them on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, getting healthy and getting these young guys more opportunities to sort of now go back to the drawing board. Hey, you've had five games of, of experience now. This is what you did well. This is what we really need to improve on for this sort of next stretch before um, you get into the, the second bye week and get into the meet of November with LSU and Auburn uh, in that last month of the season. Yeah, and I think I think one of the big things for the defense is when you look at yesterday's game, giving up 279 rush yards, that that's going to be sitting on the forefront of their minds, that defense, for the next 13 days until they get to play in College Station in two weeks because that's just not a typical Alabama thing, especially when you win a game by 28 points and you still give up 279 rushing yards. That's just not the identity of Alabama. Uh, but one thing about the identity of Alabama that you tweeted yesterday that I want to discuss is kind of a little bit of a shift because for years, and you've, you've seen this firsthand at Alabama because you've been covering the, the tide for, for over a decade, um, but it's, it's been so defensive-minded, and now with, with Tua coming in in, the, in recent years, Alabama has been so much more offensive-oriented and um, let's just talk about the identity and what you see in Alabama because offensively, Alabama can can hang with just about anybody. And if the defense is good enough to get, get the job done and keep the yardage down and keep the points down, the offense will take care of whatever it needs to take care of. So how have you seen the identity shift, Mark, um, from, say, even just three or four years ago in 2015, 2016 when Alabama had that stellar defense to now when it's the, the most high-power offense in the country? Yeah, I think it's a situation where Alabama fans and everybody in general, but Alabama fans specifically, have to adjust how they view college football and football in general, right? The game has just changed so much. I mean, you talk about most of the rules nowadays being geared towards offense because that's what people want to see. People want to see high-flying attacks. People want to see points. Uh, I, I personally love Alabama-LSU in 2011, the game of the century when it was 9-6 to six in overtime, but right. the majority of casual fans just don't love that. you know. And People want to see uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing it all over the line or whoever it may be in the NFL, Tom Brady running it up or whatever it may be. And that's trickled down you know, or sort of trickled up uh, at a college football level where people want to see those those points. So I think when you, when you look at it through that prism, you understand that, hey, um, everybody has to score now. You're not going to be able to just sort of smother teams like Alabama did in 2009, 2011, or 2015. Um, it's it's going to be sort of a more of a shootout-type game, and you just got to have the hope that your offense doesn't have a bad day. So with that said, when you look at the way this offense is built, I mean, typically they're scoring in a few plays or less. I mean, they're not, they're not really taking – 9, 10, 11, 12 play drives like Alabama did in the past. It's three play drives. Sometimes one play drives to where if Tua throws a slant to Devontae Smith, he breaks one tackle. 74 yards later, he's in the end zone. He's gone. So, yeah, so it's a situation where even if your defense is forcing a three and out every single time they're on the field, which is just not likely because of the way the game flows, um, you're going to have situations where the offense is going to score so quick that the defense isn't having a lot of time to, one, adjust and make uh, adjustments on the sideline or two, really get rest. So eventually, and Nick Saban hinted at this yesterday when we were in the post-game press conference, he said, yes, he loves how productive the offense has been, but at the same time, the cumulative effect of the defense playing 20 extra plays a game where he played 88 plays yesterday compared to about 60 for the offense, that's going to take its toll. You're going to see guys with more wear and tear. They're going to get more banged up. Um, So I think people just really need to adjust their their sort of viewpoint on what college 
college football is nowadays. It's it's one thing to look at the standard from years ago and say, hey, Alabama has always been really good on defense, but they're they're not anymore. And you also have to take into consideration when are these yards coming? When are these points coming? Alabama ripped off, you know, what, 20, 30 straight points against Ole Miss. So where the game was essentially over and the rest was just uh, extended garbage time, right? Right. Um, so and that's, when you look at it through that perspective, you, you really understand that Alabama's defense – are they playing to the level that it was four or five years ago? No, but you have to adjust because nobody is. Nobody is playing defense at that level. Everybody's giving up points. Everybody's giving up yards. And when you when you want your offense to be explosive and quick strike, that's going to put your defense on the field for more plays. You're going to have guys getting banged up. And that's what you're seeing with Alabama. Alabama fans really need to adjust how they view the sport. And I really understand that you can't have it both ways. You're not going to be able to have an explosive offense that's going to score 60 and also hold teams to 10 or less. That's just not how it works anymore in football with the way the game has changed. No, not at all. Alabama had 31 unanswered points in the second quarter yesterday. I feel like if you blinked or you went to the concession stand or you went to the bathroom and you're in the stadium, you're going to miss – you know, a touchdown, you're going to miss a field goal, something, um, and Alabama was just rolling in that second quarter. And you, you mentioned, you know, the times that they score, and I think that's really important because Alabama went into halftime up 38-10, to 10, and they trailed 10-7 to 7 at the end of the first quarter. And so, yeah, I mean, a majority of the points are coming in the first half, and then Tua's not even getting these fourth-quarter reps, and he's not even playing, you know, even sometimes midway into the third quarter, um, that the majority of these games and the, and the impact that's that Alabama puts on the game is all in the first half. Uh, Mark, Alabama fans have been thinking for years about special teams, and obviously Will Reichard is injured right now. And you mentioned the, the most important part for the Tide right now is just getting healthy and trying to get him back and other guys back as well on different sides of the ball. Um, but Alabama struggled yesterday. There was a there's a short missed field goal. Um, I think it was on fourth and four inside the Alabama red zone. And I want to ask you about four down territory for Alabama because when you look at the special teams and the struggle that Alabama has had year after year, at what point does Alabama just need to say, screw it, we're, gonna, we're not going to throw in the towel, but we're, we're going to keep the offense out there and we're going to go for it because our, our fourth down percentages and two is completion rates and our efficiency on offense is – at a higher percentage than our special teams rate. What what's what's the deal here with special teams and and how can Alabama change moving forward into keeping the offense on on the field fourth on fourth down? Yeah, I mean that's a tough one, right? Like I obviously think that, you know, I think conventional wisdom after watching a missed field goal will tell you that, hey, why not just go for it? Or watching a punt get shanked for, you know, twenty or less yards. Why not just go for that, you know? Because you should have ultimate confidence in this offense um, to say, hey, we're going to go for it. We're going to uh, pick up the necessary yardage, whether it be four or five, six yards. We, we, we have faith in our quarterback, who's a Heisman Trophy contender, um, who is uh, mentioned as the number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft, as well as some of our, of our receivers, including Jerry Judy, who's being mentioned as a top five pick. We have confidence in those guys. Uh, the flip side of that is, you have to find ways to get your punter and kicker reps, right? Right. I mean, they don't practice a ton because you don't, you can't kick all the time in practice, or you would sort of overwork uh, your leg or whatever it may be. And I think it's from where I think Nick will see you continue to give those guys opportunities because you don't want to show them that hey, every single fourth down we're never going to trot the punter out there, or we're never going to trot the field goal kicker out there, to where those guys are directly or indirectly losing confidence in themselves. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's it's hard to. Get- to watch. And I just 
there, there was one thing when Reichard missed a 48-yarder or a 45 but Missing anything 35 yards or shorter to me feels kind of ridiculous when that's your one job. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying that I can go out there and do it, but at the same time, if you're sort of on scholarship to do that one thing, um, you know. That should be kinda, like clockwork for them. Exactly. And I, I think I thought a stat Scholar DeLong's punts were his last four points were averaging less than like thirty yards. That that's that's atrocious. That's ridiculous. That's no way to explain that, you know. Um, so I think it's a situation where Alabama to find a way to get these guys some confidence, but also get uh, Riker back healthy because things seemed to be flowing better when he was handling all the duties. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> I think as a, just as a fan of the game, I, I just want to see him go for it. You know, why the hell not? Right. You know, why not just let Tua? And Judy and these guys just out there and say, hey, four down territory, especially if you're past, you know, the 50. Like, it's one thing if you're in. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say if you're in between the 30, the 40 and the 40. I mean, that, I feel like that's got to be four down territory for Alabama. And, you know, Skylar DeLong, I don't, I don't know the expectations he sets on himself. Obviously, you know, the expectations that the coaches put on him. But it just makes you think, why, why is this guy – why are we calling his number and he's punting the ball 17 yards? We're not asking him to be J.K. Scott. Fans aren't asking him. The, the coaches aren't asking him to be J.K. Scott. But certainly, you know, 30, 35, 40-yard punt, something like that. I mean, a 17, 18, 20-yard punt is is unacceptable. Um, and and that's that goes not just for Alabama. I mean, that's for any program. That's That would be a bad punt in high school football, you know? Yeah, I mean, I agree. You know, it's one of those where, uh, I mean, you're on scholarship. If, if Jerry Judy starts to all of a sudden drop every pastor on his way, I mean, eventually he's going to get benched. Right. <laughs> when, you're, when your one job is to catch or throw the ball or run the ball or make tackles, if you don't do that, you eventually get benched and replaced by somebody else. But for whatever reason, I guess it's just because you don't want to have multiple kickers on scholarship. Um, you can't really do that, especially when the guy you just recruited somehow gets hurt. To leave it to Alabama to finally find a, a confident kicker and him get hurt within the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. In, in the kicking game, right? So I, I think it's a situation where, uh, you know, as I said, you, I think at some point you just have to make a decision, okay, if we're at this yard marker, we're going to go for it regardless and just take our chances because – it's the worst that can happen, you know. Either right. you pick it up, or you don't, or you know. And then you, know, you get to get a punt, or almost getting one blocked. If you don't get it, you get the opportunity to give your defense to get a real test. You know, give the other team some good, relatively good field position, put your defense kind of on their heels, uh, and and really see what they're made of in a regular season game where otherwise they wouldn't really be tested. Um, and so there's there's positives to go both ways. Mark, looking at the AP top ten that came out earlier this afternoon. Um, are, were there any surprises to y'all? I'll read through the list for the listeners. Bama 1, Clemson 2, Georgia 3, Ohio State 4, LSU 5, Oklahoma 6, Auburn 7, Wisconsin 8, Notre Dame 9, and Florida 10. So there's five SEC teams in there. But do you see, A, any surprises, and B, do you feel like there's a fall-off point? Because I get a little bit of a sense after about six uh, between Oklahoma and Auburn, I feel like there's a pretty significant drop-off in terms of teams that have longevity to have a chance to make the college football playoff. Because I don't know, you know, if you put six of our seven, Oklahoma against Auburn, how how legitimately how good Auburn is or a team like Wisconsin or Notre Dame up against one of the top four or five teams. Yeah, I think after about six or seven, I mean, I, I think the teams, in my opinion, have legitimate 
best shot of uh, winning the championship or probably, at this point probably Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, um, Georgia, and um, Auburn, and I'm missing one maybe. Is that six? That's LSU. Six, I think, I, and LSU, yeah. So LSU, I'd say seven teams, in my opinion, with legitimate shot to uh, make college football playoff and potentially win a national championship but the problem with that is alabama auburn and lsu are all going to play each other and probably cannibalize each other as well as georgia because georgia has to play uh auburn and i think they have lsu on the schedule this year too if i'm not mistaken yeah um so i think those four sec teams are ultimately going to cannibalize each other and and only one will be able to survive uh, coming out of that sec gauntlet um so yeah, I think it's a situation where it, every single year, people talk about there's a lack of parity this year, but it's always kind of really been like that, right? I mean, there's always been a few handful of teams who can actually win it. Um, even if you go back to the BCS area in the last 10 years of that, I mean, it's all it was kind of just SEC teams sort of taking turns. And even these in the, in the playoff, it's been, uh, for the most part, Alabama-Clemson um, and then Ohio State got one in. Uh, the first year. So it, it hasn't been a ton of teams that can actually win a championship. But I don't think it's going to be much different this year. You're just going to have a few SEC teams that are going to cannibalize each other. And, and uh, I think Clemson will make it. I think Ohio State will probably make it. And then either Alabama or Oklahoma. Right, because Ohio State is looking really good, um, obviously sitting behind two SEC teams there as, as Bama is now one and Georgia is three. But at the end of the day, uh, I was talking to somebody about this earlier today that the the AP poll, yes, it's significant now, but once late October, November rolls around, there's only one poll that matters. Um, and, but obviously, they really go hand in hand, and there's there's a, there's not a lot of discontinuity between the AP poll and the college football playoff poll once that poll is released. So uh, I'm going to put you on the on the spot here, Mark, and then ask you one question about A and M. Um, yesterday, if you are North Carolina, do you go for two or do you go for one late on that touchdown against Clemson at home? All right, two points here. Uh, first, I think I don't mind the call to go for two, but I think if you're going to go for two, you got to get a much better play than that. But yeah. what would I have done? I, I would have played for the tie and gone to overtime simply because this wasn't a situation where North Carolina stormed back and they needed a they needed two touchdowns late to tie the game where Clemson had been dominating and North Carolina gained the momentum. They basically played them to an even game. So in that point, at that point, I take my chances in overtime um, and I say, hey, I, I took the number one team in the country to overtime. Uh, and we, we maybe we get lucky here uh, with with this opportunity. So I definitely would have kicked for the tie simply because of the way the momentum wasn't really on one side or the other. And I think when you call that type of play, you you play right into Clemson's hands. So uh, I I just hated that play call. I mean, yeah, no, I mean it was it was, was not smart it was, it at was all. So, yeah, it, it was so bad. And Clemson read it so well. I mean, they had two guys attacking the quarterback, and they had one guy waiting for the running back, and he pitched it. So he really had no opportunity. Even if he makes one guy miss, which he kind of did, there's another guy waiting for him. So, you know, you really had no real outlet there. I'd rather you do some RPO stuff where you can let the quarterback read what's going on and then maybe throw a short pass to right. sneak well, it out, sneak even, it around the formation. Even in practice that week, like if you know you're going up against what was then the number one team in the country – You've got to have something in your back pocket, some fake, some type thing where maybe you don't know you're going to be in this specific situation, but a, a trick play, uh, you don't want to pull anything too fancy there, trying to get too too sneaky with with just a two point conversion. But you got to have something in your back pocket that's better than that. I I agree one hundred percent. You got to read that or have either the coach on the side. 
I learned reading that saying, hey, no, we're going to pull out of this or have, you know, the quarterback see that and be like, all right, no, we're, this is not going to work. Uh, I mean, a triple option, that's, that's that's kind of one of the things, too, where you talk about how college football changed, right? I mean, a few years ago, I feel like you line that up and, and you, maybe you go, uh, you know, get the quarterback under center and let hand him off to the running back or you play action and then sneak a tight end or a fullback, so to speak, uh, around the linebackers you toss it over their heads. But the fact that they ran a triple option, <laughs> with, with, with that person uh, just is really a head scratcher there and and you feel bad for the North Carolina kids who played a really good game I mean you got a chance to take the number one team in the country to overtime you, you do that in my opinion yeah no Clemson has had weakness weaknesses exposed in the regular season as has Alabama but uh, Clemson has found themselves more recently in years past in, in close games like that uh, but they prevailed and they fall to the number two spot in the AP top 10 and lastly Mark looking ahead to Texas A&M in two weeks what what threats do they pose and we talked about this a little bit earlier um, but what what's kind of your preview kind of your breakdown when Alabama heads to College Station what's going to be really important what are some storylines uh, and what should Alabama fans be looking for in that game yeah, I mean, Texas A&M, uh, Kyle Field is always a really tough place to play. Uh, A&M always plays Alabama tough there for the most part. And I think it's a situation where if you're an Alabama fan, if you're going on that trip, that's a really fun one to make. Um, as well as, you know, Jimbo Fisher is a really good coach. And Kellen Mond is a quarterback who uh, he hasn't played up to expectations this year so far. But I definitely think it's a situation um, that – you know, he, he could come out and use his legs and surprise Alabama. So I think having an extra week off will be huge for Alabama. So I look forward to seeing um, what, what these young defenders can do after having a week off and getting guys like Terrell Lewis can put them a little bit more healthy and DJ Dell a little bit more healthy. And I want to see how uh, Christian Harris and Shane Lee are able to come out of this break as, along with Jordan Battle. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that uh, kickoff time will be announced Monday, so tomorrow. We'll see what time that is. I would anticipate 2.30 CBS. I'm sure you would as well. Yeah, for sure. That'll, that'll be uh, – maybe I should should get in my car right after this phone call and, and start driving to College Station because that's going to be a trek. <laughs> but I'm really for excited. Sure. Mark Burnett on the Galloway Podcast, thank you so much. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I love to see what you've been doing in your young career so far, so keep up the great work. Thank you, Mark. And if you guys have read Mark's stuff or you know Mark personally, you know he does a fantastic job. So thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the podcast and spending time talking with us and talking to you listeners just about Alabama football. He's, like I said, covered Alabama for a decade, and he's seen this dominance under Nick Saban. Um, And he does such a great job at, at putting action into words and everything he writes uh, and the way he covers Alabama football is just top notch. So give him a follow on Twitter at Mark underscore Burnett. If you don't already, I'm sure you do and would highly recommend that you do that if you don't. So thanks again to Mark. I want to remind everybody before we close this podcast out, the Galloway per- Galloway podcast merchandise is now for sale. We have hats and koozies, uh, white Nike hats with a Nike logo in the back, the Galloway podcast logo looking clean on the front. Contact me if you're interested in that. We've got black koozies with the white logo on the front. Those look clean as well. So if you want to support the podcast, purchase Galloway podcast merchandise, contact me and I can help you um, purchase your koozie or Galloway podcast hat. Those new orders should be coming in soon. One more time. Thank you, Mark. 
and thank you to the listeners for listening. Hope you enjoyed what he had to say. And, uh, of course, he has got some brilliant insight on Alabama and has obviously been doing this for a good period of time because he knows what he's talking about and he's a trustworthy source. So, the Galloway Podcast, where we looked over today Alabama football, the game against Ole Miss yesterday, and kind of uh, shifting forward what Alabama needs to do in this bye week going forward, A&M in two weeks, talked about the AP Top 10, talked a lot about Tua, talked a lot about Alabama's identity as well and kind of how things have shifted up there. So uh, if you have any feedback, please tweet me at WM underscore Galloway. Follow me on Twitter there. Let me know. Um, tweet Mark at Mark underscore Burnett. Give him feedback. Thank him for uh, for what he had to say today on the podcast and if you have any ideas for future episodes, uh, contact me, tweet me, whatever you want to do. Questions, let me know as well, and uh, appreciate you listening. Hope all you listeners have a great bye week. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.